Welcome to the show, everybody. We are Fear the Talking Queers, and we are bringing you a double feature. Yes, a double feature. I feel like we haven't done a double feature type thing in, like, forever. What's the last one we did? Oh, Black Christmas, triple feature. Oh, my God. We did all of the Black Christmases. That was the last time we did that? Wow. Yes. That's right. It's been over a year, so this is exciting, but there's a reason. Yes, tell us what the fuck is going on here. On this All day. right. <laughs> so, us here at Fear the Talking Queers, we are no stranger <laughs> to technical difficulties. We've had episodes erased. We've had microphones backwards. Microphones backwards. <laughs> microphones not on. <laughs> recording through our laptop. Well, you know, so <laughs> things are bound to go wrong. And. Um, it's been a while, so it's it's been, we've been pretty good. But this time we recorded our episode on the menu, yeah, full episode on it. And unfortunately, somewhere while I was moving, I recently moved. Uh, I assume that my hard drive got <laughs> dropped or something, but it uh, no longer will open on my laptop, which had my audio half of. Um, the episode on it because I don't know if you new listeners know uh, Frankie and I don't record in the same place we record over (laughs) FaceTime he's in Napa and I'm in Orange County and so um, (laughs) my half of the audio is completely gone and I was (laughs) not able to edit it and get it out to you guys so I want to apologize for that because I know everybody's like where the fuck is the Ferris Hagen Queers (laughs) yeah I mean of course like you're on your morning commute and we are your, you know, your Friday commute podcast. Like, and then right. to not get one, it's like, well, what the hell am I going to listen to now? I guess the radio because no other podcast compares. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, Jake and I have decided that for that, it would be best for our schedule to do episodes every other week anyway. Yeah, so, so be, be prepared for that, y'all. <laughs> yeah, so, but at least we're still bringing you the content. I know, exactly. We are determined to bring it to you any way we can. Yes, and this week we're doing an Eat the Rich double feature as we dive back into the menu and then finish it off with a little infinity pool dessert. Yes, yummy. Yeah, like since the menu audio is now going to be lost, unless one day Joe and I decide to fork out the money to get the hard drive fixed, and then we'll have like a lost episode, imagine. (gasps) Oh my God, that's kind of hot. I saved my audio. Oh, see? So Everything you... I do is fine. It's all perfect over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, here, you never know when the full thing can come out. It's like Megan unrated, right? Like, when is it going to come out? Which yes. did come out, by the way. 
Megan unrated yes. by popular demand of Fear the Chuck and Queers. Like I said, what happens here influences horror. Literally, I was like in shock that we were like begging for it. And then within a couple of days after releasing our episode, they listened. Yeah. So, James, thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, thank for you, James. Us thank you, Kayla. Like, thank you so much. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Meg. <laughs> yeah, th- thank you, Meg. Yeah, Mithrig. Um Oh, Mithrigan. Mithrigan. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we shouldn't waste any more time because we have two movies to cover. That's right. Yes, yeah, so we're just going to get right into it. So we are beginning with the menu. Yes. We're just going to get right into the synopsis and then we'll dive into our thoughts. All right. So get ready for the menu. We're all going to die tonight. Isn't that right? Yes, sir! So, the question is, do you want to die with those who give or with those who take? The Menu, released in 2022, written by Seth Reed. Oh, no, that's not his name. Seth Rice, I think it is. (laughs) (laughs) Who's Seth Reed's? (laughs) From my tear read. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? That would be a comeback. Okay. Written by Seth Reese and Will Tracy. Directed by Mark Millard. <laughs> Mark Millard. It's probably Mylod. It's probably, yeah, Mylod. Mydol. Mydol. For that time of the month. Okay. Yeah. Our movie begins with Margot Mills, played by legendary scream queen Anya Taylor Joy. Yes. A. Fear the Talking Queers Darling. We got two movies this week with Fear the Talking Queers Darlings on it. I'm excited. Oh, my God. That's what we should have called it. Oh, yeah. The Battle of the Darlings. Yeah. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) Margot and her date, Tyler, played by Nicholas Holt, traveling by boat to Hawthorne, an exclusive restaurant owned and operated by celebrity chef Julian Slovic. Played by Rafe Fines, located on a private island. <laughs> exotic, erotic. Yeah, exotic, erotic. Heroin. Oh. <laughs> 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 The other guests attending the dinner are Lillian, a food critic, played by Janet McTeer. Her editor, Ted, played by Paul Adelstein. Wealthy couple Richard and Anne, played by Reed Burney and Judith Light. Judith Light. A Judith legend. Light. What a bright a bright light in our uh, in our lives. Like Yes. Thank God. Yeah, casting that Judith Light. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that cannot be her real name, right? I'm living my life in the Judith Light. <laughs> <laughs> it's her real name. It has to be. I hope so. <laughs> it was between <laughs> that or diet Judith. <laughs> <laughs> Judith Zero. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, we've got to cut this out. Okay. There's also George, a post-prime movie star, played by John Leguizamo, and his personal assistant, Felicity, played by Amy Carrero, and business partner, Soren, played by Arturo Castro, otherwise known as Jaime. Hi, May. Hi, May. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> Another Fear the Titan Queers darling. Yes, Abby and just, Alana. Just because, <laughs> we, just because we talk about Broad City a lot. So <laughs> it's Yeah, Broad City is nice. one of 
Fear the Talking Queer's favorite TV shows. Yes. So it's nice to see um, Arturo <laughs> serving up a performance in this. There's also Dave, played by Mark St. Cyr. Lily St. <laughs> and Bryce, played by Rob Young, along with Julian's alcoholic mother. Played by some old hag. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, I was like, we don't have a, a credit for her. <laughs> She's might as well be played by a fucking <laughs> dummy. She don't do shit. <laughs> yeah, the, the by played by the Dr. Dummy. dummy. <laughs> the group is given a tour of the island by the restaurant maitre d Elsa, played by Hong Chow, who notes that Margot is not Tyler's designated guest for the evening. Congratulations, Hong Chow, on your Oscar nomination. Honestly, but I think it should be for this movie. It should be for this one. What is she nominated for? The Whale? Yes, The Whale, which I have not seen, but I have no doubt she gives a performance because she gives one in this movie. Absolutely. Bleached eyebrows and all. Okay. All right. She said Mia Goth who? (laughs) (laughs) Coming up next. (laughs) Dinner begins and Julian introduces a series of courses delivering increasingly unsettling monologues about each meal. As the night goes on, secrets about each guest ranging from affairs to money laundering are slowly revealed amidst dialogue satirizing class divides, climate change, and capitalistic exploitation, usually spurred by Julian and the staff's introductions and meals. During the fourth course, a sous chef kills himself in front of the guests, and another staff member cuts off Richard's ring finger when he tries to escape. After the fourth course, the restaurant's prime investor is drowned in full view of the diners. At various points in the night, Julian allows guests to attempt escape, only to have the staff catch and return them. Julian declares all the guests were selected because they either contributed to him losing his passion for his craft, or because they make a living off exploiting the work of artisans and workers like him and his team. He announces that everyone present will be dead by the end of the night. Oh my god. You know what I just realized? This movie what? is basically Emma Roberts' monologue as Madison Montgomery to Fiona Good. You'll be hash browns by this time tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be... <laughs> Uh, an iconic line from an iconic character. I'm going to bring marshmallows and graham crackers to make s'mores. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Literally. Oh, my God. <laughs> she was the inspo. Who knew? No wonder we love this movie. Yeah, we're tying in all the darlings to this episode. Okay, absolutely. All the doors is here. All the doors are in the building, honey. Come one, come one to our scream queen, boy. I. <laughs> <laughs> Where was I? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I found it. Since Margot's presence was unplanned, Julian privately gives her the choice of dying either with his staff or with the guests, the trash. <laughs> when Margot hesitates, Julian decides for her, saying he knows his upper crust customers from fellow service industry workers. Yes, it is revealed that Margot is an escort named Aaron. Played by Jessica Biel. No, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Who has been hired by Tyler for the evening. Julian reveals that Tyler was invited personally and knew all along that the dinner would end with everyone's death. So he invited Margot, knowing full well she would die. Julian humiliates Tyler further by forcing him to cook and insulting his food, causing Tyler to kill himself. Julian then asks Margot to collect a barrel needed for dessert. Margot sneaks into Julian's house, only to be attacked by Elsa, 
Margot kills Elsa in self-defense by stabbing her in the neck. After seeing newspaper clippings of Julian's past life in his office, Margot finds a radio, calls for help, and returns to the restaurant with the barrel. A Coast Guard officer arrives from his boat, then reveals himself to be a line cook in disguise and returns to the kitchen. Margot mocks Julian's dishes and complains that she's still hungry. When Julian asks what she'd like to eat, Margot requests a cheeseburger and fries, having previously seen a photo of the younger, happier Julian working at a fast food restaurant. Moved by her simple request, he prepares the meal to her specifications. Margot takes a bite and praises his food, then asks if she can get it to go. Julian packs the food for her, and he and the staff allow her to leave. Margot takes the Coast Guard boat docked nearby and escapes the island. The dessert is an elevated s'mores dish. The staff cover the floor with crushed graham crackers and adorn the guests with small capes made of marshmallows and hats made of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the material. Look at the material. <laughs> Hot couture. Clay couture. Chocolate. Clay <laughs> Did you hear that Chloe Cherry got arrested for stealing a $28 blouse? Bitch. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> Not stealing it. Uh, well, Miss Chloe, she's probably high. <laughs> oh, probably. I would be too. So, do you know who I am? I'm yeah, Chloe I'm Cherry. I'm Chloe Cherry. You don't recognize these lips? They're all no, who? The, no, the one's my face. <laughs> <laughs> Julian then sets the restaurant ablaze detonating the barrel and killing the guests, staff, and himself as Margot watches from the boat and unpacks her cheeseburger to go, taking an enormous bite. Ooh, Title card, ju- Carl's Jr. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is just uh, the Paris Hilton uh, backstory before the Carl's Jr. commercial. She rises from the watches and gets on the boat, and then she gets the cheeseburger and like, oh. <laughs> the sauce drips down her chin onto her bosom. This should have been Paris Hilton's return to horror. <laughs> We've all been Watch anticipating Paris it. eat. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Watch Paris eat the rich. <laughs> oh my God. The end. Okay. So let's dive into the menu. What do we want to talk about first? The characters? Yeah. I mean, I think this is such an ensemble character piece that I think that getting to know each one of them is going to uh, bring our story together. So I think we need to start with uh let's start with ray fines as julian slovak julian slovak his um whole storyline throughout this is quite polarizing for me because i'm like okay i get it like he got into the industry of being a chef he became one of the world-class chefs of the highest you know, caliber at this, <laughs> you know, three Michelin star restaurant. Okay. And um, that's great and all, but to me, his explanation of everyone else sort of derailing his passions doesn't quite sit right with me. I'm like, is it them or is it you? You easily could have stayed at McDonald's or in and out or wherever the hell he was. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's probably that sort of artistic mania You know, like Mm. artists are so passionate and they care so much about, you know, changing, not changing the world necessarily, but, you know. Their craft. Yeah, their craft and and giving their art to the world and it matters to them, like things like this. And so he's obviously like a clearly passionate man about this. 
but he's lost the joy in it because everything that surrounds the, the art that he creates is so full of shit. Yeah, yeah. It's that world of pretension and yes. highbrow this. And, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And it's it's classist, it's elitist. And, yes. you know, there's he has like a a perspective that he's used for the talent that he possesses by people who don't possess any sort of talent or they don't passion or or passion or appreciate it and he's uh he's just at his wits end and he's ready to make the greatest art he possibly can while making a motherfucking statement it's quite a way to make a statement absolutely um, I think Ray Fiennes gives a brilliant performance in this. I oh. definitely think that he could have been nominated for something or other. I know, exactly. I mean, this is just, this is the most evil person he's played since every other evil person he's ever played. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I know. But, but evil, but still with, you know, there is something that we can still fully relate to about what he's feeling. And yes. that's that to me makes the most complex sort of villains you know where it's like wait i understand why what his perspective is and why he's doing yeah. this but there could probably be more healthy ways to do it and less uh murdery ways to do it precisely yes but he has that intensity he has yeah. the, that passionate uh sort of yes and i think that as people who have worked in the service industry we can all relate to this in some way, shape, or form. Oh, of just 100%. wanting to kill the people you service. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. I, you know, working in restaurants like this is like, this movie is an anthem for for people like me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No kidding. It's like people not appreciating how much hard work goes into it, and um, taking yeah. advantage of it, and thinking that because they are being serviced, that they can look down upon the people that service them. And it's the food industry, which I don't know what it is, especially about fast food, why people look down on the people. I'm like, these people are making your food. Seriously. Give me a break. Give me a break. Like, I don't give a shit if you work at Taco Bell or McDonald's. Like, your your work is so valid. You know, sometimes I get uncomfortable with jokes when people are like, you know, what, I'm going to be working at McDonald's? Well, fuck you. Like, those people are are, Uh, are making it work the best that they can. Yeah, I just hate when people make little comments about, like, waiters and, you know, bartenders yeah. and this, that, like, treating it like it's not something that's valid, because it totally is. Yeah, like, and... what are you gonna do, be serving tables your entire <laughs> life? Well, there are some people who are career servers, and that have been doing it for years, they like doing it, there's something about the interaction and being of service to people that they do it, that they do enjoy, and that's well, valid. Well, let me... Let me tell you this, Miss Thing, for anybody listening who has ever said something rude to a waiter, honestly, they're probably making more money than you. Because the ones over, I'm not kidding you, the restaurant across the street that I used to work at, the waiters, some of the waiters there make six figures a year. Oh, absolutely. It depends on like what restaurant you work in or, you know, what your tip out situation is like, but there are ways to like move up and to make honest livings working in the service industry like right. i think i think we need to stop looking down upon people like this reminds me of a lot of like aoc like people constantly mm. like want to like especially the opposition right to who she is always want to like say like well what 
go back to the bar because she worked as she was a bartender right in New York, mm, and people yeah. always want to like and demean her and be like, you know, why don't you just you're just a waitress, you're just a bartender. Like I can't believe that this girl thinks that she has anything valid to say. Like, what does that have to do with anything? That just lets you know the theme of this movie, the classism. Yeah. That like she can never ride with the big dogs because she used to be a waitress. Like, okay, yeah, good. We need somebody that's going to represent the people here the on people. the ground. Exactly. The people that do service, like, the world and make sure that we have food to eat and, you know, have these experiences. I think it, that's it's an important part of our social structure. And let me tell you, Miss Thing, the food industry is no fucking joke. I can't do uh, it. I was fired. Bitch. <laughs> I've been working in it for years now. And yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard because it's, it's hard work. It's hard work. And it's dealing with a lot of different personalities, adapting to new personalities that come in. Like, it's fully an acting exercise, I would say. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, like you, customer service is an art in itself. Like, being able to turn off your actual personality and turn on this, like, persona mm-hmm. so people feel safe and, like, you, their experience is the only thing that matters because it, it, they're paying for it. And, right. you know, that's hard work and not everybody's capable of doing that or doing it well. And so I think that there is a level res- of respect that servers, you know, deserve for the work that we do. Absolutely. Um, back to Julian Slovic. Um, <laughs> I also appreciate the writing that went into the idea of his character that's so passionate about the art of creating dishes. Because I used to work at a hotel that had a three Michelin star restaurant um, on the property, and we used to make reservations for it. And I remember hearing stories about how the chef was sort of eccentric in his real life and like sort of weird and like (laughs) just very like and so like this kind of makes sense to me because I hear that a lot of chefs um, and doctors are kind of oddballs in that way. Oh I'm sure. I mean you have to be really dedicated to this shit and you have to have an ego like in order to really make your way like you have to believe that the shit that you make is important or says something or is (laughs) the most delicious food in the world like you have to kind of be delusional a little bit or not delusional but at least believe your own hype a bit yeah absolutely and that makes people act crazy (laughs) (laughs) that brings us to miss mills miss margo mills (laughs) another service worker which i kind of think it's funny and fierce that they're like yeah she's a service industry worker just like a waiter except for she's a hoe (laughs) yeah except she's serving pussy okay she's serving ass on a plate rump roast (laughs) Yeah, I love Anya Taylor-Joy. I think that she brings so much, like, presence to the screen. Her charisma is off the chart. Yeah. Um, I do like her in this sort of edgy, bad girl role. Do I think somebody else maybe could have taken it that much further? Yes. Because she yeah. seems so refined. I saw her as more, more of one of the bougie characters. <laughs> oh, yeah. She probably would have been really good. I think that it's really fun seeing her in this role because it's the first other than maybe like glass and split that I can think of off the top of my head where it's not a period piece. It's like nice to oh, see yeah. her in like a a modern setting playing a modern young woman in this world. Wearing a red wig that has braids in it. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, I love when she she fights with Elsa and then her hair comes down and it's like beautifully long and gorgeous and perfectly done. 
I yeah, like, of course. Fear, Sonia, fears. <laughs> She's like, I won't have it any other way. Honestly, she always looks fantastic, and this yes. movie's She's like no different. Otherworldly, otherworldly. Yeah, she is otherworldly, and I think that's why for me it doesn't always read. You know, sometimes yeah. when we see her smoking a cigarette out of the window, I'm like, okay, I get it, I get it. But like other moments, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm buying the edge totally. Sure. I, apparently, this role was originally meant for Emma Stone. I think. She oh would- my God! I literally was just thinking Emma Stone would have done better. Oh, that is so weird. Emma Stone would have been fantastic in this. She would have been amazing. No shade to Anya. I love you, no, Anya. But Emma all. Stone would have brought just a little bit. I'd say maybe more edge i don't know her the her style of of acting in comedy just i think could have worked really well in a satirical movie like this but i love anya don't you yeah me wrong. absolutely me because the comedy is very present in this um too so it yeah. would have been and that's so that's so crazy that you said that because i didn't know that but that's exactly who i was picturing oh so, absolutely oh uh, where's emma where is she i haven't seen where her is that where is Emma? Where the fuck that bitch go? Wawa Land, so On top of Oscar, you're never gonna see me again. <laughs> Literally, um, Nicholas Holt it plays um, Tyler, who is this pretentious foodie that foodie. thinks he knows everything. Like he's sort of, I don't know. There's like this falseness to it because he knows so much about the food, but he wouldn't know how to prepare it, which is what we see happen. But there's something about his high-strung pretentiousness that is so unnerving. Yes, it's so annoying. He's, like, such a a loser, but obviously wealthy for some reason, probably, but just, like, lacks social skills. Yeah, to me, it was sort of, like, a refined version of like an anime person <laughs> like you like know an when, people are, like, when people are super into like anime no like anime, oh, anime. And manga uh, and stuff and like they know uh, everything about it like and that they're super into and like oh that this character has these powers and like they're like that yeah okay sure like it's such it's so obscure and very the, yeah. specific i also find That's that kind of- the anime community now that you bring it up i feel like they're very defensive over anime you know they're, yes. they're like no you don't get it you just never seen the right ones they're not all yeah. about pokemon like yeah you know, exactly i'm like i don't like anime oh no well you've never seen the right ones then yeah like exactly I'm pretty sure exactly. i fucking like, hate cartoons i've had i've had friends that are like <laughs> i'm just i'm watching this one about these fucking gay <laughs> ice skating boys like and I was like, and it's an anime. Do they fight each other? And she's all, no. <laughs> <laughs> and she, yeah, like, okay. Not everything is fighting. Yes. I'm like, okay, whatever. Okay, sorry, I didn't know. Then I'm was... not interested. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was like, then what am I watching this for? <laughs> yeah. So that's why can I watch two real pe- real gay ice skaters? Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's similar to um, Nicholas Holt's character in this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's not much else to say about him other than the the <laughs> scene of like I, I don't know he's really interesting to me because he's the only person who knows that, oh, that he's gonna die and he's fucker. totally down well because why do you think he's down to die I mean because he imagine loving somebody as much as he loves Julian Slovic like he's like completely obsessed with him 
And I mean, if your last meal on earth was going to be made by anybody, wouldn't you want it to be made by the person that you've obsessed over? I guess so. Because honestly, you know, (laughs) people come up with these conspiracy theories about like celebrities and stuff like that. And I'm like, (laughs) if Beyonce was like, okay, at each of my concerts, I'm going to sacrifice somebody. I'm sure there'd be a waiting list of people that wanted to be sacrificed by Beyonce. Oh my God. Yeah. This is my (laughs) legacy that... Beyonce will break my neck with her thighs on stage. During Break My Soul. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she just cracks your neck and I will live in infamy forever. Like, I was the person that was killed Mm -hmm. at the Memphis, Tennessee. (laughs) At the Houston. (laughs) At the Wells Fargo (laughs) Stadium. (laughs) At the Golden One Stadium in Sacramento, California. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like oh yeah i mean God, i'm sure girl. there would be people who would do that people that is the power of <laughs> of obsession celebrity. and celebrity and yeah Id- idolatry idolizing somebody that much Cirque du Freak, girl. Let's okay. move on. Cirque du Freak. <laughs> Cirque du Freak, girl. Oh my gosh. Okay, let's move on to uh, some of my, my favorite characters, which would be uh, Lillian and Ted, the, uh, the, pre- the pretentious fucking food critic, which is already just a, such an interesting job in general. You know, being I a like- food critic. Thinking about it now, too, I do like how distinctive they made the fanatic versus the food critic. Yeah, because they could easily be sort of interchangeable interchangeable or mistaken for each other. But while he loves the food and he'll sort of buy it at any face value, you know, she is much different in that sense. She's like, uh, she's there because she thinks she knows a lot, but her motive is to almost tear it down like she's right. looking for anything that she can to critique and which she does when she finds the, the broken emulsion during the breadless uh course of the bread <laughs> of the of the dinner. Yes. they sort of represent opposite ends of the spectrum of being obsessed with food yes absolutely and like they're kind of like bullshit like oh way to so, put words together oh my god yeah she's like the classic <laughs> He's like, he's like Thalassic, and she's like, yeah, you know the the Greek god, whoever, whatever, Thessala, and he's like, oh that, yeah, she's like, yeah, she's like because we're eating the ocean. It's like, it's oh like my god, the ocean. Shut the fuck yeah. As soon as the the it hit my palate, I was immersed by the experience of the ocean. Yeah. Like yeah. Okay, okay. Like, I have, okay, I have a question whatever. for you. I have a question for you. Seeing all this this food that's like made in this film, like. Do you think that it can be that good? Like, can food like that, that costs that much, like a a $12,000 plate of whatever food, can it honestly taste that much better than something much, much cheaper? There's no way. I know. At this point, having had a variety of cuisines at different price ranges, I feel like the way in which certain foods and certain types of meats and things are prepared makes a huge difference. However, I don't think one's any better than the other. There's no way. It's like, <laughs> it's like wine. Like, there are, like, people that spend so much money on these expensive-ass bottles of wine, but I'm like, there's no fucking way that that yeah. $500 bottle of wine that you're buying is that much better than the 
twelve dollar bottle wine. of wine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the brands, yeah. Like give me a brand. But I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I but feel like it, people buy it. They they do it for the the experience of buying something expensive. Well, or like, see, or, or it's then, like it's a classist thing. It's like they have money, and so maybe, they they yeah. spend it because they have it, as opposed I to would, it actually being better. I would say I wouldn't totally agree with the wine thing either. Really? Oh yeah, you're Miss Wine Country. Because I've had some really shitty cheap wine, and like I had, we got this wine. It was more of a gag gift, but it had wine in it, and it was like from like, ew, Missouri. I'm like, I don't know that they make can make great wine there. And the wine, it was just, I don't want to say it was Missouri. <laughs> it might have been Kansas or something like that. It was horrendous. It was disgusting, and um. But I don't agree with having <gasps> with paying a thousand dollars because once you're like in that hundred dollar range, yeah. that's when I feel they're totally interchangeable. Yeah, but to compare McDonald's to Hawthorne, um, yeah. same thing. Like no, sure, but like save you into like a nice a nice restaurant in your town, and your plate is like you know forty five dollars, and it's probably going to be delicious. You know? Yeah, but then you go to then you go to this place. It's like and this, well, uh, yeah, hundred dollars a plate. It's like, is it going to be that much more delicious than the $45 one? The three Michelin star restaurant at the property that I worked at, the one of our coworkers got to go and experience, like, not the actual restaurant food, but the restaurant experience outside of the dining room, yeah. which is different. It's cheaper, for one. The scraps. And they give you, um, and it's a different menu. <laughs> Just the leftover plate the of leftovers. somebody who didn't finish their $1,200 yeah. plate. You can pay $900 Roasted chicken For your own To be in the dining room Or You can pay $350 And what we'll do Is we'll scrape Whatever they don't eat Onto your plate (laughs) No They just had a different menu But The presentation Was sort of the same So she said that They went out to eat Afterward Because they brought out The food She said it was like She was I didn't know where to look It was like a Huge log (laughs) with moss on it And then there was like A little tiny piece of meat At the tip with yeah, like a it's because people are it. paying for like <laughs> presentation of food, like yeah, the experience, like the experience to say they had they had the chef's food, having it tweezed and look gorgeous when it shows up at your table, like that's what you're paying for, right? That's what you're paying. You're paying for the experience, and then you're getting like a little a, a tiny like piece of meat that can fit in the palm of your hand. Yes, and that to me is when it starts to be a little like, okay, whatever. Like, would you rather have that $45 hometown dinner at your local restaurant yeah, and size. get like a decent fucking meal out of it? Or would you rather pay $900 I know. for bites? I know. Like, I guess a bit, maybe the perspective, no. yeah, the classes and maybe the classes perspective on eating at is its different. Finest. It's not about filling yourself up. It's about having that that... It's, you know, it's about like, that's true. Not, you know, tasting it and the experience of it. And you don't need too much. You don't want to spoil it to where you don't want to eat anymore. It's all about that that one moment of taking that only bite you can take. Yeah. (laughs) And honestly, those servings are probably like the normal amount of food you're supposed to eat at dinner time. (laughs) We have such an American perspective on this. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't have a full plate, I want a side of fries. Yeah. Can I have five scoops of rice? Five <laughs> scoops of orange chicken? Like, Jesus yeah. Christ. A pound of chow mein? Like, Jesus Christ, bitch. Yeah, maybe we need to start thinking, like, 
the elite. Yeah, honestly, yeah. We just need <laughs> enough food to sustain our bodies. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing extra. Um, on top of these other characters, they're all sort of mm. throwaway. Like, Richard and Anne are the married couple. We do find out that Richard at one point did hire um, Aaron as a prostitute as well. So he's recognizing her. And what's weird to me is that the wife, Anne, played by Miss Judith Light, says that the, she looks like their daughter. That's not sitting right with me. That's What's disgusting. I mean, it seems like to me, it, did they their daughter die? Is that what it is? It sounds like their daughter is dead, but it also sounds like something weird was happening. I mean, maybe I would not be but shocked. They these also people... didn't have sex, right? Aaron and Richard talk about that he masturbated in front of her. No, all he did was like masturbate in front of her, and all she had to do was like agree with everything that he said. So, do you think that's what he was doing with his daughter, since they looked so fucking much alike? Ew, God, I hope not. I was thinking it was just, just like, oh, it's like he misses his daughter. But then now that you put it this way, I'm like, uh, how does the daughter die? Ew. Did she kill herself? Okay. Okay. There's I mean, more maybe. to be explored there. I know. They, I like them because they represent the like these rich people who have no appreciation for the art, and they take complete <laughs> for the art, or they completely take for granted the fact that they are wealthy enough. To experience this multiple thing, times, this meal multiple times, and that they can just go whenever they want. They've been twelve times, and they don't even remember a single thing that they've eaten in the past. <laughs> yeah, even when she's confronted, she he's like, "Name one thing that you remember having here," and she says, "Cod." She's like, "It's all cod," and he's like, "You have cod, you donkey." <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Halibut. It was halibut yeah, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we have George, John Leguizamo, who honestly was underutilized in this film. And I know. his character's reasoning for being there is so ridiculous so to bizar- me. It's so ridiculous, but then you have to think about it. It's like the work that you do within the service industry is so taxing. Yeah. Dealing with all this shit all day. You're dealing with people, different personalities, and you have one day off. And if you have one day off and you see something that ruins your fucking day, like a bad movie starring George. Like Wazamo. <laughs> yeah, George like <laughs> Then you have some part to do in this too. It, our, our days off should be sacred and full of nothing but good things. Yeah, he's like, I hated the movie so much. I want to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> who would you who would you kill if if you had that option who would you kill <laughs> oh like i've seen a movie so bad that like i want to kill the person yeah. that's in it um honestly no honestly i can't even fucking think of one i've never seen a movie that oh bad <laughs> yeah yeah that's true yeah that's disney the answer. i guess i'm not a crazy person <laughs> is the answer yeah. Uh, I can't I can't that. answer that because I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> and then we have these three douchebags, Soren, Dave, and Bryce, and they sort of work for they work under the prime investor for Hawthorne. Um, but they also they yeah. were laun- money laundering. We find out they seem like the like young rich guys that are kind of douchey and they're just there to for the experience, but they really don't care. <laughs> they're up to some get rich quick scheme. And yeah, yeah some... they're, they're shady and they're just there being douchey because it's the next, you know, new experience and they have enough money to do whatever they want. 
Yeah. And so they're like, might as well go to this this restaurant to check it out, but they don't take it seriously. They don't appreciate it. They have no, no. concept of of what goes into it, and so they sort of they kind of treat it like they're eating at a TGI yeah. Fridays or something at a like. restaurant in a Las Vegas casino hotel. Um, <laughs> yeah. To me, their highlight performance is when the tacos come out and the tortillas have oh. the bank numbers on them for them and yeah, they freak that's out. A good... That's a great scene for them. It's a brilliant scene, yeah. They like to expose them on the food that they're about to eat. That's a hilarious thing. <laughs> they like, they that's like so good. To- toast it onto the tortilla somehow. But that scene is my favorite because I think Hong Chao's performance in it is so funny. She's so good and that brings us to her. She's one of the highest. She's a scene stealer in this She's movie. She's a scene stealer. And it's she plays this character that is like the right hand man of Julian Slovic, and she she knows everything about everything. She has this like cool, like collected, almost like robotic thing about her that you know she has an answer to everything. They've clearly gone through the plan of the entire day over and over and over. She knows it like the back of her hand. Oh yeah, and. Um, I love this scene with the tortillas just because her acting is hilarious when they're all, what is this? And she's like, they are tortillas. Delicioso. <laughs> like, no, we know. But what is, what is this? And she's like, they are tortillas. <laughs> I know. She's so good. I think that the most interesting scenes for me are hers with Tyler, actually, because Tyler essentially would want to be her. Yeah. And he embarrasses himself, in the, like throughout the whole night. Yeah, he does. And she and she, ma- and she makes it a point to sort of really uh, knock him down a few pegs. Yeah, she, you're not gonna take my spot. Absolutely not. No, she's the number one fan, and that's all that okay. matters. One hundred percent. I love how they just kind of um, showcase her throughout too. Like anytime someone does something stupid or says something out of pocket, there she is. There's a, a close up on her and a reaction to it and I think that yeah. they utilized her brilliantly in this film oh absolutely I sort of took away from everybody else honestly um yeah <laughs> her, her death and her fight with with uh, Miss Margot slash Aaron um too you know, easy our, yeah a little too easy I think she deserved a little grander of an exit yeah, I think that she at that point would have been very high stakes, would have been like, I need to be a part of this. I need to make sure it. I see it out through at the end. I think she would have given it, given Miss Margot a harder, a harder fight. Okay, so then we have Julian and Margot's sort of overarching story. And honestly, this is pretty much the focus of the movie. Yeah. Is the decision of whether she's going to die with the staff or if she's going to die with the trashy guests. And he sort of pegs her to be, you know, the service industry worker. So he wants her to die with some dignity alongside them. And also, I kind of feel like he feels bad for her. Well, I mean, I think he probably feels bad that she wasn't supposed to be there. But I think that he just really sees something relatable in her and, you know, wants to almost save her life her honor or her soul from dying with the wrong people yeah yeah he's allowing her that final um dignity and she plays it very well i think that kind of realizing his the reason he's doing this and then being able to see you know newspaper clippings of his past and his uh obviously he holds that to a high regard because he has this thing framed of these like you know these big delicious cheeseburgers that he's been <laughs> making that's how his career started yeah and so she kind of reminds him of 
what brought him to this craft in the first right. place. Well, and, yeah, and I think and that, it works. And I think that he recognizes in her the fact that they both lost that joy. So she at first talks about she liked being a hoe. She liked. <laughs> <laughs> it brought her some Anya Taylor joy. <laughs> oh, yeah. It did. Yes, hoeing. Um, <laughs> sorry, escorting. Escorting. Uh, brought her happiness at one point when she started doing it and she's like you know i used to really love it but then um you know it turned sour and he sort of feels the same way and so they have this sort of deeper connection over the loss of the joy that goes into creating your art <laughs> if that's what she's doing <laughs> yeah yeah I think that, yes, I think you're right because they do have that conversation where he's like, and do you like enjoy it? Or like, have you know, and she's like, yeah, at first yeah. it was fine, but now it's weird. Yeah. Um, and that's sad. So, yes, they both lost their passions and they're a little bit misdirected. And I would be <laughs> interested bit, to yeah. figure out what happens with Margot afterward, too. She seems I know. resilient. Does, does, does she quit escorting? Does she keep on going? Does she climb the ladder? She opens her own restaurant. Oh my gosh, she, she opens her own brothel. <laughs> <laughs> and then there will be a sequel later. Yeah, the menu, but the menu is picking what girl you want. <laughs> yeah. The menu. Poussois. <laughs> Les poussi. Poissant. Um, Poisson yeah. means fish. <laughs> Ew. Uh, so that can, um, you know, a lot of other things happened, obviously. It gets crazy. People are dying. You know, people are killing themselves. You realize that the the staff is also willing to die, and the stakes get really high. Um, yeah, there's so much. The cheeseburgers ordered yeah. and the s'mores are set ablaze. One of the brilliant things about this um, movie that you can give a little bit more insight on um, was the title cards of each course. I love oh, yeah. that aspect of it. It reminded me of those you know diner shows where you know people go around they try these different restaurants and you know they do a close-up of the a star item menu item and they you know list the ingredients yeah. and tell you what it is i loved that aspect of it yeah. and i really loved when they did it with the s'mores but where did that come from i mean it, come, it it's like a direct homage to chef's table which is a, a really popular netflix series uh, that sort of highlights chefs and you know all that they do to to create this this art of theirs, which is the art of food and making all that stuff. Um, and yeah, so the I think people who actually worked on Chef's Table worked on this film to make it very similar. Like when those title cards come up with the ingredients, and it looks so cool, and how they like. Yeah, it does. they film the food and everything is very reminiscent to how they do it on the show. And I love Julian's explanation too. It's like that title card, and then he has this whole speech about from Jesus and the bread to oh, yeah. um, how how like obscene s'mores actually. Oh are. yeah, it's like they're like an assault on the human palate. An assault on the human palate brought together by fire. Ah, uh, that the writing spectacular. Oh, so, brilliant. I mean, that was a highlight for me. If I'm giving my final thoughts here, the writing, brilliant. I think that the way it's filmed, the the lighting, the cinematography, all works very well. They got some great A actors in this, and I think they all give fabulous performances. Um, I think that it just needed, like, I don't know. 
I, I needed I, more. I think it, I wish it would have leaned a little more into the horror aspect or like a yes, little more intensity. It needed more edge and intensity in its yeah. horror aspect. Yeah, I think that could have really taken it over to our, like one of the like most prominent scenes that I read that was cut because they thought it was going to be too intense was that when um, Lillian, the, the food critic, she critiques yeah. the, the broken emulsion of one of the bread dips. Um, and so being petty, they started like dropping off like giant bowls of it to her every every so often throughout the meal, <laughs> like more of the broken emulsion. And that by the end of it, they end up waterboarding her <laughs> with the broken emulsion, uh. which is you know, obviously a much more intense fate than, I mean, not intense. I mean, they all burn alive, but an intense <laughs> moment that she doesn't really have. But they thought it was going to be a little too much and maybe it would distract from the overall message of the satire. And so I would have liked yeah. it to lean a little more into that just for my personal taste. But I still think that how they how it's executed is still very effective. Yeah, it is. I think that when the sous chef kills himself, that's very intense. Yeah. But I do get what they're saying. If she would have gotten her own spectacular death. Yeah. It sort of would have meant nothing when they all die at the end. Exactly. So. Like, it seems... Like, it's more poetic. Right, exactly. In my mind, like, this is, like, had it gone the, like, the Willy Wonka route, like, that would have been kind of <laughs> cool. You know, where every every yeah. character has their their moment. And someone dies at each course. Yeah, some, somebody that dies at each course. That would have been good, too. Uh... Some, somehow weaving in the food to their personal reason as to why they are they are being punished then you can start to as you figure out everyone's stories and then you get the next dish introduced you can kind of piece together what dish whose story goes with that dish yeah man that would have been that would have been good i mean but that's totally us coming from like a 90s (laughs) slasher fan perspective exactly like give everyone their moment to shine Exactly. I mean, I guess that's not what it was about. It wasn't about killing them. No. It was because they all have to be alive yeah. in order to uh, make it to, to the, the final course. They're the yeah. ingredients. Yeah. I think it's great. The satire is there. I mean, it all works very well. I think it's a great film overall. Um, I would give it a three and a half out of five. I think that it just needed to crank up a few things. I think everything needed to match Hong Chao. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I would give probably like a like a four point two five. I okay. Yeah, I think it. I think it's fantastic. I really love it. Could have been a little more intense for my taste, sure. Um, yeah. I don't want to forget to mention before we move on, the amazing ending, sort of spar between between Margot and Julian. I think it's really brilliantly done. This idea of. Uh, of her challenging him, disliking, you know, telling him that he, he she del- dislikes the food and there's sort of a psychological warfare that goes on on the end. That is really fantastic. I won't get into too much because I know we got to move on, but um, moments yeah. like that are really great. And I really urge any, everybody to check this movie out and, you know, go with it and, re- and really think about the experience of, of food service workers and uh, maybe, yeah. maybe you'll see who you relate to more are you which side do you belong on yeah i'm dying with the people okay i tell you that right now Absolutely. i'm dying with the people you, you might be dying with the um i'm artist i know i'm dying with the trash but to be honest that could be either side <laughs> 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 i'll let you decide which trash i die with <laughs> the poor trash or the rich trash 
But yeah, can I, I want to be, I want to be Miss Mills. I want to get fucked and be able to survive. Okay. Yes, and eat. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, while all this cooking over a hot stove makes you want to take a dip in the waters of the infinity <laughs> pool. <laughs> oh, okay. What a transition. These are two movies that are really, really strong critiques on class and classism and the things that rich people fucking do. Um, that we should no longer tolerate. Absolutely And this not. is about rich people on motherfucking vacation, not minding their own goddamn business. Murder, tourism, the things that money can buy you these days, honestly. Yeah, literally. All right, so why don't we get into this weird-ass motherfucking movie, Infinity Pool. Infinity Pool, released in 2023. Written and directed by Brandon Cronenberg. Nepo Baby. (laughs) Which I find very interesting, considering this movie is a critique of rich people, and something tells me this bitch grew up pretty privileged. (laughs) One would guess. Over here, telling on himself. Okay. Novelist James Foster, played by Alexander Skarsgård, and his wife M, played by Cleopatra III. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Queen Cleopatra of Egypt. Queen Cleopatra of Egypt. <laughs> Cleopatra Coleman spend time at a resort in the fictional seaside country of Litolka, where a local festival is underway. The couple's chronic marital strife is exacerbated when Gabby, played by Fear the Talking Queer's darling Mia Goth. Yes. Fucking love her. She is. She picks weirdest shit things to do. Yeah, I she's do love an oddball. Yeah, I love her. There's always that actress in every generation who just like always does the weird movies. And that's yes. Her. Yeah, she's our generation's Shelley Duvall. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. So Gabby. So Gabby is a fan of the only novel James has published to date, and invites them to spend time with her and her husband Albin, played by Julia Lesper. Ooh. 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 That's I love gorgeous. that name. And honestly, he's kind of a daddy. Yeah, he's kind of hot. Was he French or no- am I making that up? Uh... I don't know. <laughs> it all tastes the same to me. <laughs> <laughs> the four have dinner and decide to spend the next day driving in the countryside, even though they've been warned that tourists are to remain on the resort compound at all times. At a beach, as James urinates behind a tree... Gabby unexpectedly grabs him from behind and proceeds to jerk him off. <laughs> oh. Oh, she gives him a hand job. Sorry, that's the more eloquent way to say it, I guess. That was honestly a great scene. That was erotic. I love seeing the sperm hit the floor. I know. Oh my God. No wonder this movie was on its way to an NC-17. Yeah, I was like, I wonder if they showed his dick in the NC-17 version. Oh because my God. I would have much he rather would. pay for that. He would. That bitch is Swedish. He doesn't care. European. Let's it all hang out. I'll, I'll take him and his brother. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Um, what do you think they used for that sperm? <laughs> what do you mean? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he really did that. I know. I, they probably used salt water. No, because it, it was gelatin. I watched a lot of interviews for this movie and nobody had the balls to ask that question. And yeah. I would have. 
What was Alexander's sperm made out of for the movie? <laughs> <laughs> they're all Jergens. <laughs> yeah, they're all. It was lotion, sweetie. Yeah, it like, honestly probably was like lube with lotion in it. Oh yeah, that that yeah, that looks the right. Same. That looks like sperm. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners out there, if you know the answer, what is his sperm made out of? Yeah, we know they use corn syrup for blood, but what do they use yeah. for sperm? Yeah. <laughs> After a long day of sunbathing and cooking, the tourists embark on a drunken drive back to their hotel. En route, James accidentally runs over a local man, killing him. Gabby insists that they cannot tell the police as the country is corrupt and they will not be safe. <laughs> Yeah, this is like a high stakes version of I Know What You Did Last Summer. Literally, I was like, oh my God, I've seen this. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> no, Andre literally goes, oh my God, we hit a boot. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the foot? <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, we already committed murder. We might as well rob his ass. <laughs> the next day, James is arrested and is told that the penalty for his crime is death at the hands of the dead man's firstborn son. However, the country has a unique system of justice whereby the guilty, for a hefty fee, can be cloned and have their duplicates killed in their place. James, who married into money, pays the fee to have a double killed before his eyes. Emma's horrified by the entire affair and wants to leave immediately, but James is titillated by the spectacle and wants to stay. Ooh, I love that word. Titillated. Well, he gets titillated later. Okay, yeah, they're all getting titillated. (laughs) He hides his passport, claiming that he has lost it, and encourages M to return to the United States. James extends his stay by a week, and encounters Gabby and Alban again. They introduce him to a small group of Western tourists who have all been convicted of serious crimes and have paid to watch their doubles killed. These people return to the resort annually, commit heinous crimes, and pay to watch their doubles get slaughtered. Over the next several days, they encourage James to transform into a libertine criminal, encouraging him to kill locals, engage in intoxicated orgies, and abuse the resort staff. James is rattled one night when he is tricked into brutalizing a clone of himself he had been led to believe was the police detective who initially arrested him. In a moment of clarity and panic, James retrieves his hidden hat. Oh, asshole. <laughs> 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 yeah, this movie's crazy, y'all. He hit his asshole. James retrieves his hidden passport and attempts to flee, but the tourist group accosts him and abducts him from the bus, transporting him to the airport. Gabby reveals that she finds him pathetic and that the group is abusing him for their own amusement, hoping to turn him into a fellow murder tourist. He runs off into a nearby wilderness. Gabby shoots him in the leg as he flees. After hours of wandering, James collapses at a farm where a local family takes him in to recuperate. It's Pearl. <laughs> it's oh, Pearl. oh my god. Ah, <laughs> oh, the crossover we never knew we needed. In his drug state, he experiences a series of hallucinations. Once he has regained his strength, he is once again confronted by Gabby's group, who orders him to kill a duplicate of himself to complete his transformation. He initially refuses, but when the clone attempts to kill him, James beats him to death. As a reward, Gabby exposes her bare titty to James, inviting him to breastfeed. (laughs) (laughs) 
The next day, as they head back to the United States, the other tourists casually chat about upcoming errands while James is visibly shaken from the events of the past few days. Waiting in the airport for his flight, he resolves to remain behind instead. He returns to the closed resort, where he sits alone amidst the downpour of the monsoon. The end. Ooh, okay. What a spectacle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so in the same way that the menu is a critique on, on elitism and classism and the, the warfare between the mid to lower class and the upper class, this one seems to be more about a critique on, I would say, like the, the elite upper class. Privilege. Not respecting... Authority, thinking they're above the law. And being given the privilege due to how much money they have to commit like heinous acts of violence and crime. And being have a clone made of them that's killed. There's something to that too, right? Like, well, yeah, okay. So, like, he goes there for inspiration. Like, there's something very strange about this resort that they're at, right? It's like on this random. Prison like, lot. <laughs> yeah, it's in a, in a fake country, right? And it's it's like a a beautiful compound that's like gated off from the actual country. Like you go beyond the borders. I was so disoriented and- with like the 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 language. Like, what was going on? Like, what what is this comparable to in real life? I think there there probably are places like this. Like, I could, I would imagine that there's like really more poverty stricken countries that have these like really touristy places where people can go mm. but they go in there and um they it's can almost only like, be at the resort yes they, they can only be at the resort and they're sort of at this like curated version of it like i think a lot of the interviews i saw they they kind of referenced it as being like a disneyland version mm. of what the actual country is and that when you visit these places you're not actually in a way, visiting the country you're you're in. No, you're visiting a resort that's themed <laughs> to fit the yes, country. Yes, exactly. You're like you're at this place that is specially curated to make you feel safe, to make you feel comfortable, but to not actually experience the reality. The poverty. Yeah, the reality of of the country. So that's okay. already a, a very strange setting, right? Right. And James kind of comes there for inspiration. He has writer's block. His ego is is shattered right because he wrote this book that nobody read nobody read it got horrible reviews yeah horrible reviews and he nepotism money. was at play oh yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely and so he's there for inspiration which i think is some, sort of an interesting thing considering that this place isn't really going to give him any sort of experience to become inspired like what are you going to be inspired by the Literally. resort yeah, yeah exactly well, and M, honestly, M, the wife, is a kind of a bitch, but yeah, well, she's yeah, like, totally. but you know, she, I guess, has every right to be because I'm sure she's been through hell with him, but it's also like your man, I guess, is trying to like uplift himself and better himself, and you can't help but to say how broke he is. And like, I know, exactly. Obviously, they are in the midst of marital unbliss whatever that is like they are they're in a bad place in their relationship from the start a downward spiral yeah, yeah. and so their their relationship is pretty fragile and in comes miss miss mia goth miss gabby right right um, and i have to say so far the leads 
amazing. They oh. they are all gorgeous and stunning. They're so hot. They're gorgeous and Miss Cleopatra. Yeah. Like every shot that she's in looks oh. like an ad for something really expensive. <laughs> yeah, she's stunning. She's, she's so stunning. beautiful. And Alexander, obviously a hunk, but Mia yeah. again with her. She's such a wild beauty. She is. Her, I think it's the Brazilian. I think her Brazilian. She got a Brazilian? (laughs) I I mean, I think she did. There are some shots of this movie. For this movie, she got I was like, that bitch got a Brazilian for sure. (laughs) No, her grandmother's Brazilian from Brazil. Oh, oh yes. That's where they're from. She's a Brazilian actress. Yes. And she has a lot of her features. And I think that that, that, um, Latinx beauty really be shining through on okay. Mia. She is so beautiful, but she has this like ferocity to her. Like, yes, I, I just I don't know. I'm just so drawn she's a to curious her. one. She's such yeah. an enigma. Like you see her on screen playing these characters, and you're like, wow, she is a great actress. But then you see her in interviews, and you're like, wow, she's just adapting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to the script, like there's no acting because she's such an uh, an enigma. Like when she's in interviews for all of these movies, she's like, "I really thought that it's like a cartoon." Oh my, literally, she's so well, animated and gorgeous <laughs> and kooky. I know she is kooky, but she's also kind of just like a normal person at the same time. I think that there was like some interviews I watched with her. Like one guy was like, "How?" How did you navigate the switch between, you know, who we think Gabby is at the beginning and um, who she ends up becoming? Like, how do you navigate that? Like, some, like, bullshitty actor talk, you know? Yeah. And she was like, um, uh, she, like, tried to bullshit for a second. <laughs> and then she was like, wait, what's the question? I don't understand. And he's like, how do you navigate the switch between? And she's like... Honestly, I just followed the script. (laughs) I don't don't know. Like, I just followed the script is so brilliant. I just kind of go with it. Like, she's like, you dumb fuck. What do you mean? I read the script and I did what the character was supposed to do. Yeah. She's sweet and then she's sour. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't know what you want Every single Sour Patch Kids commercial I could find. (laughs) Yeah, she comes in and she sweeps James off of his motherfucking feet. She's like, I loved your book. Yeah, she, she, yeah she's there to fucking suck his fucking dick. Like, you know, like yeah. really build him yeah. up and make him feel like he is somebody well, that's not. Honestly, in a way, their scenes together were magnificent. I electric. have to say. They're, they were electric. Their chemistry was pretty damn fucking good. Because when yeah. she was giving him all of that, you know, like, kiss ass shit in the beginning I yeah. it was working I was like yeah. I, for me I would be my head would be totally blown up if oh, somebody yeah. and he beautiful needs came up to me and said that to me his ego is so fragile right now I mean you know nobody read his horrible book <laughs> and that, that they call pretentious and then here she comes and she starts blowing all the smoke up his ass like obviously he's going to be drawn to that and which is such an opposition to how him and an MR, where their relationship is like a, a cold, wet, dead fish. Yeah, know? she can't, I mean, she and, can't help but just to put him down. That's all she can do. Right. Exactly. And so they, uh, they're inspired by this new couple to travel beyond where they're supposed to go. Here they are. They're already, like, disrespectful of the local laws, right? This is kind of like the 
the first seed we get that that there's a sense of privilege here. Yeah. Like they disobey the law of the land and they go out into to the unsafe area. It was giving me like Alice in Wonderland vibes because like his lifestyle, like he's this artist, he's this curious mind who married into money. And, you know, you think of Alice and she was sort of like, you know, wanting new explorations beyond her privileged lifestyle. And she follows, you know, the pretty white rabbit down the rabbit hole. And so for me, I feel like him like instantly giving in to Gabby and her fanaticism over his stupid book is um, the Alice following the rabbit down the rabbit hole. Okay. This and is his inspiration. The rabbit hole is crazy. Yes. Well, first of all, like, you know, her she's so seductive, right? She's she's kind of this temptress. Yes. The temptress of Waikiki. Yeah. <laughs> and, and her makeup was gorgeous. <laughs> uh, Oh, the stunning. hair, the she makeup, looked, and her hair, uh, her blowout is everything. The blonde, yeah, she yeah, looks, yeah, she looks so good. And so they like they go out, and she ends up like making a move. She's a bold one, and she fucking jerks his dick with absolute confidence. With absolute confidence, yeah. She she's not one to be messed with. She is somebody who has figured out their power. I would say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, and it's the power of persuasion. She has nothing to fear. What does she have to be scared of? But what's the worst that could happen to somebody like her? She warned them. She was like, I am so good at playing. <laughs> I'm an actress. I'm so good at playing somebody who you feel yeah. cannot live without this product. Oh, yeah. She like she breaks it down. She's like, I'm so good. She's like, I told so many lies today. I almost started <laughs> to believe them. I really think I was born for this. <laughs> <laughs> we're starting to see it to get like incepted with a little bit of these ideas of their privilege. Right. Yeah. So then the, the whole thing happens. Um, then we have this idea about cloning. This is when the movie kind of turns into a bit of like a sci-fi experience. And this is also when the problems start for me, because I was thinking as the movie was going and it was getting very, I know what you did last summer. I was thinking this is fantastic. And then we got to the part where he was, had his options laid out for him. And I yeah. don't know what I was missing, but I totally missed the part about cloning. <laughs> I th- I heard something about something for Taurus, <laughs> like some kind of grace thing for Taurus. But I did not understand the cloning thing at all until it was happening. And I was like, oh. Wow. See, everybody, this is why I watch everything subtitles. with subtitles. I know, but I watched it on Bootleg. Oh, me! I did too, and I probably didn't. And the have subtitles, subtitles don't add up. They don't <laughs> line up. <laughs> they don't line like up. Ten correctly. minutes behind. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So there's this idea of cloning, and then um, watching somebody murder your clone. I mean, and I think it's supposed to bring up these these ideas of like staring your own mortality in the face. Like watching somebody murder you. Like what? Like how do you feel like you would respond to watching somebody murder your phone? Okay, I don't know. That has to be a very surreal experience, and I'm like, what? There has to be something to that. Like watching yourself being punished or watching yourself being murdered, and kind of getting off on it, like they do in the end. And it's yeah. like, what is it about that that intrigues them so much? Like, do they feel they need to be punished? And this is their sadistic or- way of. 
like visualizing like that. themselves. Yeah, cleansing themselves. Or yeah, does it help them compartmentalize what they've done so they can go back yeah, to the real world? Or, yeah, that's totally true. Yeah, exactly. Like I am being punished. I'm having to watch this even though I'm I'm sort of viewing it as entertainment. As a sport. But maybe that's all they but maybe that's all they do. They maybe they only think of it as entertainment and they're so removed from any responsibility that this that this doesn't even feel real to them even though these clones seem to be like exact replicas of humans well yeah and then it also i read something about this movie where it's implied that the clones have the same memories as their yeah i mean they they literally operate as if they are them like they don't even remember like they remember everything even they look the same they have the same hair product like you know these (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that they was are crazy. exact replicas. I do think it's always interesting in sci-fi films when there's no explanation as to the technology that we're just supposed to fully just accept that it exists. <laughs> we're supposed to accept the fact that putting in this like dental dam and this rubber swim cap. What's that fucking game that you play with that in? Uh, um, what, like, what am I saying or some shit? Yeah, whatever that game yeah. is where you put that thing in your mouth. I was like, ooh, that sounds fun. And I was like, <laughs> we use those at work. Yeah, the, the lip retractors, the lip retractors and yeah. a fucking swim cap and getting into this red infinity pool, I guess I'm assuming, it, like, creates a clone. I don't know. I wasn't buying right. it. I mean, I guess it was like, it was giving the fly. It was like, get in this machine and then all of a sudden he's a fly. <laughs> Well, wow, what an homage to, <laughs> to his, his father, father for making that, you know, he's like, okay. He's like, it doesn't have to make sense. You get in the machine, you turn into a flight. What do right, you exactly. get? Right, exactly. Well, it's like, <laughs> it's probably like one of those things like, well, it's not important. Yeah. Okay. It just happens. And it's just, this country's figured it out and we don't need to know why. Yeah. Just let it be. It's like, okay, fine. Whatever. Do you also think that this country would operate like this when they're on the cutting edge of cloning technology? I know if they have if they have this insane technology, why are they so poor? <laughs> why is the rest of the country so poor? What are the who? Where is this wealth going that they're paying? Also, for? just like this to me, like the storytelling is just a little like jarring. I'm like, I feel like they should have upped the camp value a little bit so that storylines <laughs> like that could blend. But I feel like it's so ridiculous. Like, the storyline is so stupid and ridiculous, but they're taking it so seriously. And I'm like, I mean, it, I yeah. No. Well, it really, I think, I think it really thinks it's saying something. But I guess my issue is that it's like, okay, is it more just about calling out the elite for their debaucherous and, and hedonistic behavior? Yeah. But, but there's, there's no sort of like, there's no sort of moral or like, introduction of any sort of way to rectify it it's more just like telling us like this is what you are and i'm like okay i mean what that it's not it's not a story that is uncommon to this day and age no the the biggest show right now is the white lotus i mean yeah this is a narrative we're seeing over and over again now about calling out the elite and calling out the class you know the upper class for their their bullshit yeah it's a highbrow retelling of the purge. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the it's the purge and White Lotus, like had a baby. It'd be infinity. It'd be pool. infinity pool. Yeah. Speaking of infinity pool, the name. I know you said like I guess they go into an infinity pool. I was like, I wonder if like 
I was trying to figure it out. So I was like, do you think it's called infinity pool? Because like you know, like when you like pool something, it means that, like there's like a lot. Oh, or, like, yeah, yeah. You you know, I wonder if it's like a oh. double entendre for like you can make an infinity amount of yourself, like the my pool of clones to choose from to die and yeah to choose from. No, you're right, and I like the pool that I have is infinity. I can make as many as I want as long as I have all the money. Do you think that's what it's come from? Because I know there's a... She tells a story at one point where they were... Albin was, like, designing one or installing one oh, for some people. yeah. And then it fell... Like, parts of it fell and killed some people, which is why they ended up given the option for the crime... Or, or given the option for the clone. But that would make sense, too, um, to work as both. I was thinking kind of the same thing, like an infinite amount of clones, but you have to get into yeah. this, that red liquid pool and something... Oh, that yeah, sure. sort of like black acid came out and I don't know what was going on, but it looked crazy. I don't think even Brandon Cronenberg knows what's going on. <laughs> I don't know. Do you know what I will say? And I'm sure he's very talented. I'm sure. But every interview I saw, he was like, I don't know. Like he no. like didn't like have an answer to like a lot and of things. And that's fine. Or, or it was like about his process but I was like you are he's kind of the worst interview I've ever seen well also I said to Andre I was like one of the most one of the things I really didn't like about this film was the use of like passage of time or like or like you're supposed to feel the ecstasy that he's feeling in the orgy so he gives you these glimpses of scenes I thought it went on for way too long <laughs> and there were several moments of that where it's like the you're with the sensation that he wants you to feel but I'm like I feel like this only makes sense to you guy I don't think it really <laughs> relate it's not relaying to me I'm like I don't get it it's not making sense to me it's going on for too long it looks disgusting I don't anything to do yeah. with it. I mean, I, get, I, I mean, it sort of just kind of goes through the motions of like, you know, these people are given this option and then, you know, he stays behind and this and gets involved with this group. And it almost feels like the other people in the group other than Gabby, like, I, I could not, it almost like, it's like a blur. Like, those people have like no, no character really. And uh, yeah, like no faces. Like I feel like most of the time, I I I didn't even know who these people were. You know, yeah. they didn't have any distinct character no. names or, or personalities. They were all sort of acting at the same level of of personality, and it it, it almost felt felt like a blur. Like I didn't know any. I couldn't tell them apart. I couldn't tell you who was who. But I was like, well, is that a purposeful? Maybe thing? it's a purposeful like, thing. Like, he's like so dis- to feed into He's the like clone. so disoriented and. Yeah, or like he's like so disoriented and he's like on drugs and everything that he can't even focus on who these people are. He's just more driven by action as opposed to like yeah connecting that or the actors were bad <laughs> <laughs> or just the writing was bad for them. Yeah, no, I I do think that it kind of helps to feed in to it um, because yeah. I was like, you really think that these main characters are extremely unlikable and then you meet the rest of these clowns and you're like wow this is just and I think that's part of it too is that you're not really brooding for anybody yes and I guess that's bringing it back to the point that we were making was that you said it was going on too long so I'm like yeah it's like going on too long with characters that are so indistinct from each other other than the core two oh yeah well and I was talking actually specifically about the flashing of scenes the montages 
of flashing yeah, scenes. Yeah, exactly. Like, too long. Like, because like, it's like things are happening. Yeah. Like, these people are going out, committing these acts, robbing people and shooting them. And you're like, who are... Who? I don't know anything about these people who are doing it. Am I supposed to be rooting for them? Like, are they doing some... Like, what is happening? It, and... I don't feel invested in them. Absolutely not. And there's something about this movie that kind of feels like it drags because it felt four hours long, mm. but it's under two hours. And I'm like, why <laughs> did it feel so much longer? It's just kind of a drab film. It you know? is very, very drab. drab. It's very like cerebral, but to the point where it's like, all Absolutely. right, well, let's get like, okay, I, I understand what you're saying now, but like, Let's like really bring it home. I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't. There are too many ideas. Like, okay, there, this is other idea we, which I think is interesting. I guess I would say is like this: like, am I the clone, or, or did they kill the original me, or am I the clone? It's like, okay, let. How do we unpack that? Well, like, what is that saying? The ending that the way in which you read it, where he's at the airport but he decides not to leave and instead returns back to the hotel even though the monsoon is coming. I think is like how it's how it reads but a lot of people are saying that no the clone that he beat up thinking that it was the detective never actually dies like you don't ever see him Mm. die and so they said that if you notice which I didn't notice it but maybe if I go back and watch it again maybe I'll notice it this time but the one in the airport getting ready to leave is kind of cut up and beat up from, you know, the ensuing struggle that he has yeah. with the beast self of himself. Um, <laughs> that That's what you think it's from, but that the uh, one that they show in the hotel actually act, does not have those cuts on his face. Ooh, that, that's either bad editing or <laughs> <Right>? purposeful. <laughs> it's either purposeful or bad editing or just a simple Easter egg just if some people are yeah. going to catch it, some people aren't, but everyone's going to be talking about it. Yeah. And I guess it's like about like what that idea of like, am I the clone does to your head? Like all of a sudden it's like, am I real? Am I not? Now do I, do these consequences not apply to me because I'm no longer the person I was? Yes. It's almost like a way to help yourself not to feel kind of what I was saying about the compartmentalizing, yeah. but like in a way where it, everything is so surreal at that point that it probably just feels like you're not holding yourself accountable because why would you? Like, it doesn't even seem like anything is morally Nothing's correct real. here. Exactly. Or like, real. I can get away with whatever, but like... To them, it's probably like playing a video gonna... game. Yeah, 100%. Like, there are yeah, no it's stakes. Just all... Exactly. And like, is this must be a comment on like how... People feel you know, people with money and, and people with money are like constantly chasing like the biggest highs possible because they have everything at their fingertips. Yeah, down to murder tourism. Murder tourism, yeah. And so, I mean, I do think it 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 gets those messages across. I don't think it offers any sort of solution, but maybe that's not what it's about. Maybe it's not about offering the solution. Maybe it's just about calling out the the elite class. Or acting a damn fool because they got too much fucking money and and the world and the universe and the law will always be on their side to let them you know do whatever they want get away with murder yeah it does put you into that perspective of like <clears throat> what would you do if you had this kind of privilege if you able to yeah. do this and honestly it's 
a little, it's very unsettling. This movie's very unsettling. And I think that it doesn't yes. help that it, there's no hero. There is no hero in a way. Yeah, every, yeah, exactly. We're just watching James kind of spiral, spiral, spiral until it's too much for him. And then he still gets caught up in it. And it's like, should I even be rooting for you? Like, it's all just so bleak. <laughs> like, everything you've done is yeah. not great. I feel what could have also helped sort of the audience navigate his transition into, like, you know... like psychoticness into then realizing like it's not funny anymore you know is if we saw what kind of story he was conjuring up out of this inspiration like you know like like what yeah what did this inspire give us something as to why he's following this this storyline like we know that he's there for inspiration but what is he finding is inspiration is it gabby is it the sense of danger what is it yeah it, it is it like like an escape from his like humdrum life? Yeah. Like like give us a clue. Like what is it? But at this point we're like he's fucking stupid. Yeah. And then the ending when he like goes back to the hotel, I was like, "Uh, what?" Yeah. I think that there just needed to be a little bit more thought about the characters' intentions. I think that the yeah, uh, the agreed. actors do a fabulous job. It's the writing. There's something with the writing that's not translating yeah. well. Yeah, exactly. And it's very stylistic. The directing is beautiful. Like, there, the, the moments, there are moments that make you feel kind of, like, overexposed and, like, like the the resort scenes. It doesn't feel like a pretty resort. It kind of feels almost a like... prison. Like a prison, yeah. yeah. It's like, so, the claustrophobia of that, like, the the psychedelic scenes are, are, are very effective. And the use of, like, debaucherous and hedonistic like sex scenes are I think actually used pretty well yeah Yeah, the body horror element was great yeah you're right exactly and I think that my issue probably does lie more in the writing too yeah I I think you're you hit all the right notes and even that can serve even as a wrap-up it's like the the directing was fine it's his writing that's a little bit off the, but like you said, it's moody. Like it feels how it's supposed to feel. The actors did what they were supposed to do. The writing did not serve the project well at all. It needed more. Yeah. The characters needed to be more clear as to what they were doing. Yeah. Everyone seems confused, and it makes me confused. And I'm like, is that intentional to be disorienting? But at that yeah. point, no, I don't think that's what it is. I think it's the writing is shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, yeah, I think that sometimes it feels like I'm not in on the joke or I'm like, I'm like so far removed from figuring it out that once the moment passes, I don't, Yeah, I, I, I just find myself sort of lost. And so, and there are moments um, that I get derail what, it. Like it's like, it yeah. starts off pretty steady. As soon as he gets to his options, it starts to go downhill. The thing with like the lip retractor and the swimming cap and the red dot, the, it was like, I get it. It's avant-garde. It's highbrow. It's elevated horror. Yeah. But it just... I'm like, you gotta give us something. What's going on? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. I didn't know what was going on. I was lost. I'm disoriented. The characters are confused. No <laughs> one knows what's going on. I'm like, what Yeah, there's the hell? titty sucking. There's all oh, there's Nipples like... are turning into spaghetti. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, this is that really is... Nightmare Before Christmas-ish up in here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Beetlejuice. 
All right, so what's your final score? My final score on this would be a two and a half out of five. Yeah, I would say two and a half. Two and a half because I think the performances are great. I think Mia Goth is exceptional as always. She When she turns into Crazy Gabby at the end, she's like, James! James! <laughs> it's like, it's so unsettling and she's very good at playing yeah, she's quite disturbing. <laughs> um, and Brandon Cronenberg, I mean, I definitely think that his potential is so obvious. I just think, uh, yeah. I don't know, I maybe he needs, I don't know what he needs. I don't, and I don't know if it oh. makes sense to him and it works well for him and that's fine too. Because the movie is not bad in any way, shape or form. It's not bad, I think it has... Interesting There's, things to say, but just things aren't adding maybe up. Maybe just not our cup of tea. Yeah, the, the not all the pieces fit together for me. Yeah, or it doesn't come. It doesn't stick the landing to where I'm like, wow, that was effective. It, it sort of leaves me feeling a little like, huh? Yeah, that, that was bleak. Yes, you know. Yeah, it feels all for nothing. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yes. So, oh well. <laughs> oh well time to dry off watch it if you like <laughs> yeah exactly now that we're out of the pool um that brings us to the end of our double feature we yes, ain't that rich bitch we ain't the rich bitch okay yeah so obviously between the two of these i think we thought the menu was a little bit better yeah. oh yeah than infinity pool pick the menu any day yeah um but honestly they're both really good watches um <laughs> After all that. And you can stream them now at home. So <laughs> great. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Um, we'll get another episode out to you as soon as we possibly can. Actually, I think our next episode is Scream at Six. Oh, oh my god, I can't believe god. it's coming. I know. And I'm driving down to to you to watch it with you on Friday yes. when it comes out. Should we live stream? Tell us if you want us to live stream it. You want us to bootleg the movie? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to live stream the entire movie on right Instagram, Instagram live. <laughs> Can you imagine? That would be awful. People would hate us. Oh my God, people would be so pissed. Yeah, like they blame us it. because they can't look away. Give me a break. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, give me a break. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey, make sure you head to um, Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. Give us five stars on Spotify, even. Yes, and make sure you check out our Instagram, at Fear the Talking Queer. Send us a message. We'd love to chat and get to know you. Um, yeah, and we'll eat you up, baby. Absolutely. And give us some money, honey. There are ways. <laughs> the link is in our bio, girl. Exactly. Because I need to uh, commit a crime and then have my clone murdered. And that costs a pretty penny. Actually, yeah, no, you know what costs a pretty penny? That hard drive. We can maybe recover the menu oh files God, with exactly. this many. Yeah, if you want the full episode of the menu, <laughs> please Venmo me at jake-signs. And um, you never know. Maybe that episode will come out <laughs> sooner than we expect. The Lost Tapes. Sweet screams, bitch. Jay-Z!